Welcome to the No Picks After Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today we have a great guest, one of my good friends, known this guy for almost 20 years, Jersey's Best. What's going on, Mr. Jade? How you doing today? How you doing, Aaron? Good, man. Good, man. I'm glad you're on the No Picks Podcast. What's going on? Not much. Enjoying this Cali life, you know? Glad to have you out here visiting. Hey, I appreciate you having uh, time to come out your day and get on this podcast. But uh, I just wanted to talk with you because we've talked so many times about life and moving out to the West Coast and the East Coast. Give little people a little taste about your life and what's going How'd you make it out here and what made you come out this way? Yeah, I mean, it was something where I decided in college, you know, I wanted to be in Hollywood. And I did a year in New York, but I had planned to come out here. And when I got out here, um, a good friend of mine, Matt, he was working on CSI Miami at the time. And they were moving offices. So I was living on his couch, and they needed some help moving. <clears throat> so I, I went with him, and uh, I started, you know, just helping to move at night. And it was like this thing where I'd be the first one to show up during the day. And then be the last one there at night. And at the end of the night, they'd be like, we'll see you tomorrow. So I did that for like a month. So this is volunteering. <laughs> no, I was getting paid. But it was like, I never knew if I had work until the end of the night when they were like, see you tomorrow. Wow. So that was your first gig out? Yeah, that was like my first gig. And then Matt got another job on another TV show. And then I just slid right into his job. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what was your major in college? So everybody has like, we both went to Syracuse. Uh, yeah, so so like your background. Both went to the Cuse. Uh, in undergrad, I majored in psychology and had a minor in art history and theater. And then um, I stayed for grad school, and I majored in television, radio, and film with a concentration on screenwriting. Okay, so you want to be a writer. So you are a writer probably right now, right? No, I'm a developer. So so tell the difference. Yeah, so writer is somebody, they actually you know create the actual scripts, create the characters, create the plot, the world, all those things. And then a person who works with development, we're actually talking to the writer as that process is happening and sort of helping them to get their vision, you know, in line. Okay, so give me some stories of what made you come out here. I know you had some work with Bernie Mac previously in your, in your time. And what things inspired you to keep with it and stay out in L.A.? Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough gig out here. There was a time when, um, you know, after I left CSI Miami, I was working for HBO for a little while on a show that actually got canceled by the strike. Um, and that following year, I had nine jobs. <laughs> nine jobs? Nine jobs. No joke. How does one even have not? I don't even understand that. But go ahead. I'll let you. <laughs> go ahead. I'll let you explain. So when you work in when you work in production, you know it's like sometimes the gig lasts a month, sometimes it lasts six weeks, sometimes it lasts eight weeks. You know, ideally, if you get on a show, it lasts the whole year. But if a show gets canceled or whatever, whatever. So I wound up with nine jobs that year. The most interesting of which were um, I worked with uh, Davis Guggenheim, who did an Inconvenient Truth, and we worked on um, Barack Obama's introductory movie to uh, the DNC in 2008. It was called uh, A Mother's Promise. So I got on that Obama train really early, which was nice, and be able to watch him um, you know, win the presidency. And then the other thing that I worked on that year that was really fun was Bernie Mac's last pilot, right before he passed away. Wow. But um, <clears throat> Bernie, like the dude that you see on TV, that was Bernie. Like he was exactly like that, fun-loving, really good guy. Um, he actually gave me some of the best advice I'd ever had in my life, uh, which was, 
he was saying that people in Hollywood get really upset about, you know, like somebody's going to try to steal your idea or they're going to try and, you know, do this to you or do that to you. And he's like, listen, he's like, the thing that makes you unique is you, the way you look at the world. So if you are able to hone that and create that in a way that other people want to hear, then you'll always have something. Somebody take a project for you, doesn't matter because then you can just come up with something else. So I've always sort of kept that to heart and uh, that served me really well in my career. That's amazing to hear um, you going through that whole process of somebody who's a legend yeah. that, that's telling you that, which is awesome. Absolutely. And I got, <clears throat> so after that, I was, you know, I was looking to write, but especially at that time, it was really hard to get into writer's rooms. Um, and we had the economy collapse right after that. So I was still sort of looking for steady work. I worked in a writer's room for five months for free on a show called Blue Mountain State. Shout out BMS if you've watched that. Um, work with the two creators, great guys, uh, but I was sort of interning for them, looking for you know the next thing, and um, this opportunity came up to work in production at this management firm slash production company called Generate, and so I started working there, and I was kind of friendly with different people, and you know just checking out the vibe. I was like, oh, this place is kind of dope. Like maybe I should think about working in development, and at the time. The guy who was the assistant to uh, the two fellas that were running the place, which was Pete Aronson, who was the president or former president of Regency Television, and he also um, ran the Bird and Mac show, and Jordan Levin, who was the former head of the WB, so he developed like Dawson's and Buffy and Everwood and Smallville and Felicity and all of that stuff. So those are two guys that were there. His assistant comes into the kitchen one day, and he's slamming the fridge, and I'm like, yo, man, what's up? What's going on? he's a brother. I was like, so what's happening, brother? What's, what's got your day so messed up, you know? <laughs> and he was like, he was like, oh, man, I got to, you know, I got to get myself off this desk because he wanted to be in management and his boss had got let go and they moved him over to the studio. But he couldn't get off that desk till he replaced himself. So he was like, they met with like 25 people. They don't like anybody. You know, I just can't get myself off this desk. And I was like, I'll take your job. I was like, they haven't met me. Set it up. So he set it up. Wow. I went in. Talked to them, you know, did the best I could, impress them, et cetera, et cetera. But then also, because I had worked with Bernie and we had become cool before he passed away, I had all his people call. So they called Pete for me. And then also on the flip side, Romanski and Falconer, who created Boom Out State, had developed with Generate, the company, the year before. So they called Jordan like, yo, this dude did great work for us, et cetera, et cetera. So I got that job. And that's where I started. Start I started wow. there and started developing Wow, that's a powerful story right there. Yeah, so I was there about, we kept merging, but I was there about three years. Um, we kept merging with different companies. I was working as their assistant at first. It was a step back at the time, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And then um, the last merger, uh, they sort of went off and did different things. And, you know, Jordan was going to take a gig and he was like, listen, there's one thing that might come through fast. There's probably a bunch more that might come through slow course the quick thing came through <laughs> of course. he was like he was like i gotta be out but you know like and so your position is basically getting eliminated but you know like i'm gonna you know they they hooked me up with the severance and all of that so i had time to figure something out and uh i had been you know just working the hollywood networking gig and building relationships etc cetera, etc cetera. and i knew somebody who had worked to generate before um who had a fiance that was working at disney at the time and she was like, hey, they're creating this new role at Disney. You'd be perfect for it. And I was like, all right, word. Like, let me go up for it. 
So I went in for that, got that gig, and then that's how I started working at Disney. Well, I will tell you one thing that's very impressive is that I um, came out here, maybe 2009, actually. Kind of funny because we saw some photos today on it. And were you at work during that time? Yeah, yeah that was, that was uh, right after the strike thing. And I remember you had no job at this point. But what was very impressive when we hung out, and I was here probably for about four days. We had a great time. Not once did you complain about not having a job. Not once you were you down and out saying, you know what, feel sorry for me. And at that time, I remember you had an apartment by yourself paying rent. And your roommate had just moved out right. during that time period. And I respect what you did. You were like, you know what, I'm going to make it work. Something's going to happen. And that, to me, is awesome because I, I wouldn't have been a, it takes a tough, strong person to go through all that and want to stay with their dream. You kept with your dream and you said, I'm going to make it through. And I know it's going to happen. Something's going to happen for me. And lo and behold, 10 years later, we're here. We're here. And I just want to commend you on that. And I've want been wanting to tell, you, tell you that because not a lot of people can say that, that they would. How many months were you off work at that time? In steady work, it was almost two years. So again, this guy could have went back to Jersey. Move back home. So you know what? Screw it. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. But what you did was amazing, staying on top of it. What can you say to people out there who's going through things of this nature? It can weather, it can be any type of business it is, but what how do you get that mentality? Well, I think one of the things that I did that was really helpful for myself, and I understood like what was happening, right? Like Hollywood choose you up and spit you out. I call it Holly weird, right. but go ahead. <laughs> I would choose you up and spit you out, right? And I knew I was in the middle of being chewed up, but I was like, you ain't going to spit me out. So I had to figure out a way to, you know, stay here and make it work. So one of the things that I did was I woke up every day. I did not sleep past seven o'clock the whole time I was out of work. I didn't act like I didn't have a job. You mm. know what I'm saying? I woke up every day. I was either reading, I was watching something. I was working on some type of project related to the business. And like I said, at the time, I was working sometimes at places for free. Like I was doing everything that I could to make sure that, you know, I could keep my foot in this business. And it was like, you know, I had unemployment, but I, the way I thought of it was like, okay, I'll take this internship and the unemployment is like my payment for doing an internship. You know what I mean? So mm. obviously don't do that anymore with the unpaid stuff. <laughs> no, no. But this is the old days. <laughs> no, but again, that's two years that you... Got through it, the storm. You could, like I said, you could have yeah. packed it all up and said, I'm out of here. I'm going back to Jersey. You know what? I'll call some New York connections. We'll figure something out. What yeah. made you not go there? It just, you know, I had not done what I had come here to do. You know what I mean? And so my whole point was like, I'm literally not leaving until you throw me out. So if I have somewhere to live and I can figure out how to pay these bills and I can keep, you know, digging my heels. And I'm not going to lie. It's something that crosses your mind. But every time it crossed my mind, I was like, nah, this is not, um, you know, this is not me. This is not, I'm not a quitter. And I wanted to just finish what I had started. And I think in some ways, like that East Coast mentality is very helpful out here because, you know, the sort of stereotypical L.A. thing of people are a little wishy-washy. They're like not as aggressive. And for me, I was like, yo, son, I'm about to make this happen. You know, so I, I just kept at it. So what do you tell, I mean, I know it's podcasts for everybody, but I like to especially talk to young African-American youth who sometimes they want it, they, they, they have these, I call them delusions. 
of getting rich quickly or I, I, I want to make this money so quickly. And what you have had patience. And what would you tell these young kids now growing up that they see all these lavish things on TV? They think they see Joe Millionaire making the money that quickly. That's less than 1% that happens to them. But what would you say to these young people out here going, yeah. coming up through college, coming through high school saying, I don't see how I can make it? I think, you know, <clears throat> in some ways the, the media has hurt us in that way, right? Like when we were coming up, we saw much or many less examples of black people getting rich quick, right? Mm -hmm. Or any people getting rich quick. And so in your mind, like you thought, okay, I need to work hard for something. This is sort of how it lays out. But now you see people being famous without a skill set or famous without putting the work in. And everybody thinks, oh, that could be me. But that's not going to be you. Here's the, the, the surest way to achieve success is to decide what you want to do, have a very clear goal, and then go forward towards that consistently and do not stop. And if that is to, you know, become an architect, then do that homework, grind all day, make sure you know your buildings, walk around your neighborhood, find out the blueprints for your town. Like, you know, it's, you have to keep digging down. There's always something more that you can be doing. And listen, at some point, everybody's got to sleep. Everybody's got to, you know, spend time with their family and take care of yourself. But you have to negotiate within yourself, like where that line is. And if you think you can be doing more, you should be doing more. And so when you just keep grinding and keep grinding, one, and then two, I'd say, is relationships, right? Like that's the key to life. That's the key to work. That's the key to everything. So treat people in a way that will make them want to help you, help everybody that you can. And then that stuff really does come back to you. You know, like I've literally never had a job in this business that wasn't connected to somebody that I knew. Well, I, I appreciate you coming in and um, talking with, you know, I me. Mean, I know you, it's like LA, everybody's short on time. You gotta keep it moving. <laughs> but I appreciate you taking time to sit in the pod. We will do a part two of this because we, he has so many stories. But if you've ever been to LA, takes you to go 10 miles an hour and, yeah, this, this, and this man this man right here is on the move and that's what I like about him so I'm happy that he gave me 15 minutes of his time just to sit down and that's the beautiful thing about it because two years ago or oh, in 09 he had a lot of time <laughs> now when you don't have time that means you're doing something for your life so I mean I'm happy that you I'm, I can call you my friend I'm happy that you're a person I can call a brother say hey I need help let me know. Give me some advice. What are your thoughts? And I really appreciate you being on the pod and just giving your expertise, you know, and just giving people ideas of what really life is all about. It's not all, it's all not ice creams and cookie and easy. It's not easy street. No, it's not easy street. And I, I want to say I'm really proud of you for what you're doing on this podcast, you know, because this is something that you've, uh, you know, fairly recently undertaken. But, you know, you're both feet in doing all the research, doing all the things you have to do. So I think that's why it's turned out successful and people are gravitating to it. So people keep listening. It's Brothers on the Move. All right. Yeah. No Picks of the Dark Podcast. We're out. <laughs> <laughs>